Hey everyone, I'm Stephanie. I'm a book-loving, notebook-hoarding reader and writer on a mission to change lives one book and one notebook at a time. And this is the Get Literate Podcast. On this podcast, we explore the power of leading literate lives. We talk all things books and reading, notebooks and writing, and everything in between to make our lives better. And no matter what better means to you, the pages inside books and notebooks can help us get there. So each week, we'll mix together books, notebooks, mindful practices, and creativity to cultivate a life we love. Now grab a notebook and your TBR list, and let's get literate. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Get Literate podcast. I'm excited today because I am bringing you a new kind of podcast episode called Monthly Literate Love. Now, if you've been with me for a while, especially back when I was blogging more, you likely remember my weekly Friday morning email. I called it my weekly literate love note, and it was my favorite thing to do each week. Basically, every Friday morning, I sent an email out that talked about what I was reading, writing, learning, and loving that week. It was my way of keeping myself accountable for the kind of week that I wanted to have full of reading and notebooking. And it was way, it was my way of sharing that literate love with you in hopes that it sparked something for yourself over the coming weekend or into the following week. Now, I did discontinue those weekly emails because I needed to find ways to spend less time in front of the keyboard typing. But I realized that is easily a feature that I could bring to the podcast. Maybe not on a weekly basis, but certainly on a monthly basis. And that's what I'm here to do today. I am ready to share all sorts of March literate love. I'm going to give you my quick reviews of the books that I've read outside of the podcast. I'm going to give you a look into the writing prompts that I've tried in my notebook. I'm going to give you a glimpse into some of the topics that I've been diving into and learning about. And I'm going to share some little things that brought me some literate love too. So let's get to it. What have I been reading? Now, one of the things I've noticed about having a bookish podcast is that it does place a little bit of bookish pressure on my reading life. Because yes, I'm reading books that I want to read for no particular reason at all, but I'm also reading books around particular themes so that I can share them with you on the podcast. So it's taken me a while to balance out my podcast reading life with my actual reading life, not to mention my education world reading life, but I think I'm finally striking a bit of a balance. So what I'm going to do is share with you the books that I've read outside of the podcast episodes this month. And by doing that, I'm going to read my review on Goodreads. I review every single book I read on the Goodreads platform, primarily to hold myself accountable for remembering the content. I'm sure as you know, when you read a lot, things can get blurry. And when someone asks me for a book recommendation, I sometimes have a hard time remembering the title or the characters or the thing about the book that makes it so special. 
But by writing a review for each book, it makes it more sticky in my mind. It cements it in there. And then that way I have something that I can easily share with others. So the first book that I read in March was Amy Porterfield's Two Week Notice. Find the courage to quit your job, make more money, work where you want, and change the world. I've loved Amy Porterfield, Amy Porterfield's podcast for quite some time. She has helped me grow my own side hustle, working with instructional coaches and teachers who want to be strong reading and writing teachers and have strong reading and writing lives themselves. She's helped me figure out what an email list is and how to build it and how to email people on a regular basis. And she's even made me feel that creating a full-time business out of this really amazing work might one day be possible. If this is you, if this is something that's going on in your mind, this is the book that can give you the roadmap on how to do that. You can choose a quit date, create an exit strategy, create more momentum around your email list, outline a content plan for social media, design a workshop, and have so many lists upon lists of ideas to move forward with. This book truly makes you feel like giving your two weeks notice is truly possible, even if it's something that you don't plan on doing. It just gives you this sense of ability, this sense of possibility, rather, that there's more out there and that you can actually do it if you choose. And in my Goodreads review, I wrote that this is a book not just to be read, but to be lived. There are so many tangible, actionable steps here that you cannot help but make forward momentum. Whether you just want to get a little side hustle off the ground, you want to start a blog, or maybe you actually want to go and quit your job. This is a book that gives you a lot of inspiration for just thinking about your life a little bit differently in the future. So that's Two Weeks Notice by Amy Porterfield. I gave it five stars online and I gave it five hearts in my reading journal. Now up next is a book that I reviewed for a children's literature website, and that's Ben B. and the Teacher Griefer by K.A. Holt. I love K.A. Holt. I love all of her books. They are in beautiful prose. I just, I just love the verse. She has written The Knockout. She's written House Arrest. I've loved them both. And so I knew when I saw that she had another one out I hadn't read, I needed to read it. And I was even more excited when I found out that it was actually a series of books that I could get invested in. So this is a middle grade novel, and here's my review on Goodreads. This middle grade novel is the book every teacher, every parent, and every reader needs to read. In it, we meet four students stuck in summer school because they failed the language arts portion of the high stakes Florida State test. These bright divergent thinkers experience difficulty reading, but they don't need more of the same. They need a change of pace, a dose of confidence, and the chance to feel seen. This is just what their teacher, Ms. J, delivers. She agrees to play one minute of the video game Sandbox for every minute of reading they complete. And that's a game changer for them all. Each student has their own unique challenges they're working through, and they find their own way forward, but together. And that includes Ms. J. 
This is a mixture of verse, game chat transcripts, and sketch notes, and this book will pull on your heartstrings. It'll make you rethink what you know about learning and invite all readers to keep going. I highly recommend it. Now, this was a book that I planned to give away to a teacher to put into their classroom so another child could read it, but I can't quite do it yet because I want to reread it and pull out some beautiful quotes. It's just that good of a middle grade novel. So Ben B. and the Teacher Griefer by K.A. Holt. Next up was a picture book. Now, this was part of my bookish 23 and 23 project where I wanted to get closer to authors and books in the publishing process. And so I attended a virtual event and purchased a signed copy of Once Upon a Book by Grace Lynn and Kate Messner. Here was my review, both on Goodreads and on the website, Teachers, Books, Readers. When I was a little girl, I'd get so immersed in the book I was reading that I'd tune everything else out. I wouldn't hear people talking to me. I'd miss any commotion happening around me. And I'd often blink and look around in confusion when I finally emerged from the page into the real world. I loved getting lost in the world of books. I still do. I think that's why I adore Grace Lynn and Kate Messner's new picture book, Once Upon a Book. This beautifully illustrated book literally immerses you in a story of childlike wonder and reading refuge. In it, we meet Alice. Alice is a young girl who is fed up with the cold, dreary days of winter and escapes into the pages of her book to faraway lands that look and feel very different from her own. Page by page, she travels to a tropical jungle with the birds, the blazing hot desert with the camels, a refreshing coral reef with the fish, the wide open freedom of the sky with the clouds, and the quiet calm of the moonlight. While all these places each had something wonderful to offer, what Alice ultimately wished for was a place full of coziness and warmth, her own home. While readers will become entranced in Alice's story, they'll literally experience it for themselves as a result of the artfully designed illustrations. Each two-page spread ensconces the entire page and alternates between living in a scene directly from Alice's book to exploring the next page to come, literally propelling the reader through the story. But the best part of the book in my opinion, is the clever way Alice literally disappears into the pages. The story began with Alice wearing an adorable dress made out of fabric that resembled the pages of a book. As she jumps into the story, her dress literally blends in with the scenery as she gets lost inside the pages, just how I imagine myself doing the same as a child. Once Upon a Book will remind you of the power of reading and the utter joy readers feel when they lose themselves in the pages. This is a book to be read, to be savored, and to spark a joyful reading habit. If you couldn't tell from that review, I fell in love with this picture book. I think picture books have a staple, uh, a primary place in every bookshelf, whether that's an adult bookshelf or a childhood bookshelf. And Once Upon a Book is for anyone who truly understands the power of reading or wants to. So that's Once Upon a Book by Grace Lynn and Kate Messner. Now, up next, we are taking a hard right turn. And I'm sharing with you the book titled And An End to Arguing 
by Linda and Charlie Bloom. So we're going from a picture book about reading to a nonfiction personal development book about arguing and relationships. So I reviewed this book for the WOW website, The Woman on Writing, and I was part of this book's blog tour. Here's what I said about it on Goodreads. And if you'd like, you can find my more extensive review on my website at litlife.com. Some books arrive right when you need them for reasons you might not expect. This is one of those books. An End to Arguing by Linda and Charlie Bloom is a book that every person needs to read, not just those who find themselves struggling with communication or prone to arguing with others. In it, they share 101 lessons from their private practice working with couples and their own 50-year marriage. While it does not need to be read cover to cover, I did just that, and I'm grateful for what I learned in the pages. I hope to gain some communication strategies to help me during a difficult time, but what I got was much, much more than that. I gained permission to feel, to find my voice and feel seen. I gained permission to set boundaries, to stand up for myself, and to demand respect. But I also gained a great deal of insight into the way I work, the grudges I hold on to, the shadows that are lurking, and my need to finally take responsibility for how I hold on to the past at the expense of the present. Don't let the title fool you. This book is for everyone who wants to create a healthy relationship within herself to then create healthier relationships with others. So even though this title was labeled an end to arguing, I really feel like it's just a book of to end of an end of arguing with yourself, an end to thinking negatively about yourself. It was just so much more than a book about arguing. It really was a book on personal and self-development. Five stars, five hearts, loved being part of that blog tour. Now up next, we're going back to some YA. I read a lot of middle grade and YA books as part of a review site that I'm part of. And this book, I'm so grateful to get my hands on. This book is called Where the Lost Ones Go by Akemi Dawn Bowman. And here's my review. Where the Lost Ones Go by Akemi Dawn Bowman truly has healing powers. In it, we meet Elliot. She is reeling from her grandmother's decline and ultimate death from dementia and is devastated when her parents decide to move her across the country from California to Maine in an attempt to make a fresh start. But Elliot cannot leave her grief behind. She is determined to connect with her babang in the afterworld. She's terrified that her memory loss will impact her in the world beyond. If she had no memories when she died, how will she find her way in the new world? Much to her parents' dismay, she becomes obsessed with all things ghosts and spirits in an attempt to find her grandmother. This obsession leads her to Honeyfield Hall, Miss Delvo, and Hazel. But not everything is as it seems, and Elliot just may get what she hoped for. It's for readers who understand the pain and suffering that dementia can bring to a family. It's for readers who have experienced loss and, have are, and are having difficulty moving on. And it's for readers who don't always feel seen by those who love them and are trying to find their way. This book pulls all the heartstrings. It definitely does. 
Where the Lost Ones Go by Akemi Don Bowman is a book for you if you're struggling, if you need to get through a loss, if you need to reckon with dementia, if you just need a book to help you figure out how to get to where you need to go next, this is a book that can help you do that. Now, two more to go. This next one is part of a series. And I didn't realize when I first read The Breadwinners by Deborah Ellis that there were many more books to come. But there are. And this one is the fifth book in that series called One More Mountain. Now, I was torn here because I was reviewing this book for the Children's Literature website, but I had only read the first book, not the second, not the third, not the fourth, and here was the fifth. What do I do? Do I cram in reading two, three, and four so I could get to the fifth? I wish I could have. I wish I had the time. Instead, I read it anyway. I'm glad I did because I realize this book is truly a standalone book. You do not have to read the rest of the series in order to understand it. Although if you do, it certainly adds to the richness. So here was my review on Goodreads. One More Mountain by Deborah Ellis is a book of strength, of hope, and of freedom. It's the fifth book in the Breadwinner series, although it could be read on its own and impact the reader just as much as the series does. In it, we meet Parvana and Asif, a couple who has dedicated their lives to helping others in war-torn Afghanistan. They run Green Valley, a shelter and school for women and girls, and take in Damza, a 15-year-old girl who ran away from an arranged marriage. But when things go terribly wrong, Asif attempts to take their son, Rafi, out of the country, and Parvana works to save the girls from the Taliban. Their journeys are hard, and readers cannot help but feel every difficult step they take. For those familiar with the series, readers will enjoy getting reacquainted with Parvana and Shazia, and for those new to the breadwinners, readers will turn the last page filled with a new sense of empathy and appreciation for the people of Afghanistan. I highly recommend this book, and I'm reminded to appreciate all I take for granted and to support others doing the incredibly important work to protect their own rights and safety. This is a powerful book. It's a powerful book for middle grade readers. It's a powerful book for adults as well. That's One More Mountain by Deborah Ellis. Now, finally, I want to bring you the last book that I've read in March, at least up into the recording of this episode. And this is a book that is hilarious. This is a YA book called Belittled Women by Amanda Sellett. Here's what I said. If you're looking for a book that will make you laugh from the beginning to the end, then this book is for you. But make no mistake, there are plenty of important life lessons inside. Belittled Women by Amanda Sellett is a delightful parody on the original Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Set in modern times, Joe and her sisters, aptly named Meg and Amy, are the main cast of characters in their mother's family business, Little Women Live. Each play their namesake on stage and off, leaving them with big decisions about where their life is heading. When a big city journalist comes to document the show, she pokes a few personalities and uncovers a few secrets. As Joe attempts to find her way, 
she learns about the true power of family and finding yourself. This was a thoroughly enjoyable book with real-life sisterly banter that had me laughing throughout and wishing Little Women Live was real so I could see it for myself. This book had me in stitches. I thought this was a book worth giving away so another adult or young adult reader or classroom could enjoy it. And when I put it on my social media feeds at Athenito Lit, the feeds blew up. Everyone wanted a chance at this book because so many of us can remember reading Little Women way back when. Belittled Women is a hysterical take on it, yet still has those important life lessons. And I think it's one that a lot of us will really enjoy reading because we can get that perspective of the original and the perspective of this parody. So that's Belittled Women by Amanda Sellett. Well, there you go. There are the books that I have read in March, although I will say I am likely going to finish one more book because there's still a few days left in March at the time I'm recording this podcast. And that book is Women Are the Fiercest Creatures by Andrea Dunlop. It's a Zibby Books new publication, and I am all in. I actually just read the prologue inside of my Get Literate Patreon community for our first chapter Friday. Every Friday, I read the first chapter of a book that I think we need to know about, and this opening prologue was just so, what, what's the word? It just hooked me so quickly that I knew I had to share it with the group. So if you think First Chapter Fridays might be a fun thing for you, head on over to my Patreon page at getliterate.co. You can join free for a week, scroll through, and just listen to me reading the first opening pages of some books in an attempt to convince you to read them. So... Moving on to writing, what have I been writing this week? Well, one of my writing staples that I can always count on are my morning pages. Every morning, usually at 4.30 in the morning, yes, I'm a very early riser, I get up, I make my cup of coffee, and I sit down with my notebook so that the first thing I'm doing is my morning pages as Julia Cameron recommends. Now, I've noticed a pattern of mine in my notebook that I don't really like. And usually I use my notebook as therapy. Right? I wanna get off whatever on my heart or on my mind onto the page so I can leave it there and move on. And I've noticed throughout the month of March, although I don't go back and read my writing, I just know that there was a lot of negativity on that page. I just am cranky this month for a couple of reasons, some worthwhile and some completely not worthwhile, doesn't matter. But I didn't like what I was seeing. I didn't like what I was writing. And even though I knew it got the negativity out so that I was left with space to bring more in, I just wanted to do something different. So I spent more time in my morning pages in the month of March doing some what I call morning page experiments. Now, I'm going to do a whole episode on these morning page experiments later in the month, so I'm only going to talk about them very briefly. But here are a couple of things that I've tried. And by things, I mean prompts. 
Because if left to my own devices in my morning pages notebook, I will just write about what's on my mind. And that can often turn into a negative unloading. Instead, I want to try using prompts so that I can push myself to write in a different direction and, and hopefully change my mindset in the process. So there's two things that I've explored that I think that are worth mentioning this month. Number one is somatic journaling. Oh, somatic journaling was brand new to me. And let me tell you, it's a game changer. I was listening to the Wilds, no, Wild Words podcast with Nicole Galata, and she had on Jennifer Arnsbigger. And Jennifer Arnsbigger is a somatic journaling coach. And that just basically means that you write from the truth of your feeling body. Did that make sense? <laughs> it basically means that you want to kind of scan your body and really tune into how your body is feeling and then write from that feeling place. Now, there are certain prompts that she gives, right? So it's not just that I wake up in the morning and I say, oh, my joints hurt, my elbows hurt, my hands hurt, and I write from there. No, that's not what it is, although that's certainly something that you could write about. But it basically means when you look at a certain writing prompt, you can actually feel some of those, right? Some of those are so polarizing that you wouldn't want to write about them. And she gives a couple of them, like, I feel safe in my body. Does that bring up emotions? If it does, you should write about it. Um, there's a couple of other prompts that just get you to really think at the, the heart of your body and to think about how you feel and to lean into it so that you can release all of that energy from your body onto the paper and quite possibly make yourself feel better physically. I know, I know some of you are rolling your eyes and you're saying it's wooish, but I'm telling you, yeah, it could be woo, but yes, I love it. Yes, I think it's working. And yes, I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to have an episode in our Patriot community on this kind of journaling and hopefully offer a session where I can walk you through what I've been doing inside my morning pages because I think it is just so different and so worthwhile and something new to explore in the notebook. So those are some of my experiments, one of them being somatic journaling and really leaning into some different kind of prompts. And when I read one of those prompts and I feel some sort of visceral body reaction to it, that's the one I pick and I write and I work through it and I see how I feel after. Now, the second thing that I've really leaned into in March is something called an anytime today journal prompt. So I don't know if you know about the best today podcast, or if you know about Shunta Grant, who is the podcast host, but I really subscribe to her work. She believes in the power of waking up and having a best day today. And she has podcasts and journals and articles and other helpful tips and tools and tricks to help you do that. And her most recent journal that she just came out with really got my attention. Now, I am always up for a new notebook, but these prompts that she offered don't need a new notebook. They don't need a whole nother routine to your day, although I'm sure you could if that's what you'd like. 
But what I've been doing is just exploring with her four prompts. And her four prompts that she encourages us to journal about in the morning are today I am dot, dot, dot. Today I feel dot, dot, dot. Today I need dot, dot, dot. And today I want dot, dot, dot. Now, those are very similar prompts that Julia Cameron asks us to consider in our morning pages, but I haven't quite seen them in that format, in that order, and as a practice. And so I've tried it a little bit this month, and I really like it. Today I am. I can just feel like what I'm feeling. Put it out there. Today I feel, right? How can I connect that even more to my feelings? But then what do I need and what do I want? And by writing them out in the morning, even if it's something little as a cup of caffeinated coffee and I only have decaf in the house, it just prompts you to think about what you need and want and how you might actually spend your day giving that to yourself. So it's it's like the morning pages prompts, but I think it spurs me into action more than my traditional morning pages have. So if you're interested in that, you can head to besttoday.co and learn all about her work. I think it is very worthwhile for someone who wants to explore a journaling habit to help themselves feel better. So there's reading. There's what I've been writing. What have I been learning this month? Well, I really have been going in deep this month into the brain body notebook connection. I think you probably saw that coming when you heard what my experiments were in my morning pages, but I am still spending a significant amount of my time trying to learn and figure out how to make myself feel better. And in the process of making myself feel better to help others around me, especially in my family, feel better too. And I have learned so much. I want to talk about the three main things that I've been learning this month and trying to apply in my actual life. But these are big game changers. These are things that I wouldn't have known. And I don't know if I would have believed unless I took the time to go deep into the reading, into the research, into the backstory. And now that I have I can't unlearn it. I can't go back. Like this stuff is just incredible about how the brain works and how it connects to the body. And of course, how our notebook can support that whole connection. So learning number one, thoughts become chemicals. Let me say that one again. Thoughts become chemicals. Did you know that every thought you produce in your mind creates a chemical in your body. I didn't. If you think happy thoughts, you produce happier chemicals like serotonin, dopamine. If you are thinking stressful thoughts or worried thoughts or depressed thoughts, then your body starts churning out cortisol. It actually is a thing. I saw the research. I promise I've done the reading. Thoughts become chemicals. So if you think about the kind of self-talk you offer yourself the entire day, what kind of chemicals are you flooding your body with? 
Are they good thoughts? Are you actually increasing your serotonin and dopamine? Or are they stressed thoughts? Are you just churning up the cortisol instead? Our thoughts turn into chemicals and those chemicals impact our body. See the connections that I'm making between the somatic journaling and all of these other wooey kind of things? It's not woo, it's science. Thoughts become chemicals. So if thoughts become chemicals, we have control over the chemicals cruising through our body. We can control the way we feel. It's not easy, but there are strategies that we can try. And that means we have a whole nother arsenal of support to make our bodies and our minds feel better than we thought we did before. Yes, nutrition. Yes, exercise. Yes, outside supplements and medication. But training ourselves to think differently can actually have a scientifically recorded chemical impact on our body. Mind blown. Here's the next thing especially thinking about cortisol. If we know that our thoughts can create these chemicals, we're learning things about these chemicals. And the one thing that I can't stop thinking about, which is kind of a, a pun once I tell you what it is, the one thing I can't stop obsessing about is number two. Cortisol, that stress hormone, is addicting. Cortisol is addicting on a cellular level that we might not even know about. If we are stressed, if we are depressed, if we are going through a difficult time, if our thoughts are so used to producing cortisol, our body gets used to what it gets used to. And cortisol is an especially addictive chemical. So even though we are working to shift the chemicals coursing through our body, cortisol is working against us because it's addicting. Our brains, our bodies are addicted to it. So you might have experienced this before where maybe you're going through a really hard time and then you're you're making some changes. You're feeling pretty good. You feel like you've got something going and then bam, something happens to bring you down or one little comment from someone else bring you down or you self-sabotage yourself and just start rethinking that you're even capable of this kind of change anyway. It's because your brain and your body are literally addicted to that cortisol and addicted to that feeling. It's why it makes personal change and personal development so difficult. But what I find fascinating is knowing that is power. It's, it's not us, right? It's not us that makes change so hard. It's not us that makes getting out of a, a depressed or a stressed slump so hard. It's that that particular chemical is more addicting than the others. And our bodies naturally want to go back to that state because that's where it's been comfortable for so long. So for me, finding out that thoughts can make chemicals, but that cortisol chemical that's been flowing around in my body and that even my blood work shows is really, really high, that's hard to get out of. And that's okay. It's not me. It's not my problem. It's not because I'm doing it wrong. It's because it's hard. And knowing that something is supposed to be hard versus feeling that it's hard, for me, that was a big game changer. So finding ways to break that cortisol addiction, starting with our thoughts, starting with medication, not medication, meditation, that was, that was a big realization for me. So two things that have just fascinated me, thoughts become chemicals and cortisol is addicting. And number three, I kind of mentioned it, 
meditation can change your brain. Now, I've always been the one that says meditation is not for me. I can't sit still. I can't clear my brain. I always have thoughts running around. I can't calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learned that meditation is not about sitting there in an um position and not thinking thoughts. It's about thinking those thoughts, but not putting any judgment on them and then letting them go and coming back and trying to be centered again and again and again. And I've also learned that there's different ways to meditate. You can think of that traditional yoga style meditation, but there's also walking meditations or musical meditations. There are different ways to get our brains into a more calm state to bring the stress of our nervous system down. And when we do, the results of the brain are astounding. There have been studies that have shown that just one week of daily meditation can literally change what your brain looks like on spec scans. One week can change your brain. And by changing your brain and calming it down, it means those cortisol chemicals are not rolling around anymore, which means we can think different thoughts that will have a better impact. I mean, why don't we know about this? Why isn't this something that is taught in like fifth grade when your world starts to become hard to know that this is how the brain works and what we think? Well, that really matters because it causes chemicals and those chemicals are addicting. So you want to be careful of which ones you're thinking about. But by the way, doing some calm, mindful meditation can literally change what your brain looks like on a spec scan and change the way those chemicals work. I'm just fascinated. I'm fascinated. And of course, now I just want to to dive in deep and really think about how this impacts everything, how it impacts our actual lives, our reading lives, our writing lives, and how all of these tools we could be using to arm ourselves with the right thoughts and the right chemicals and the right kind of meditation for us to literally change our brains. Dr. Amen, with all of his books on brain research, is my hero right now. And I plan to keep going. So when we come back for a literate love update in April, you're likely going to see a couple of remnants of this March obsession. Okay. So now that I've blown your mind with some brain statistics, I want to talk briefly about just some things that I've been loving. Some little things that are bringing love to my literate life. The first is a podcast I think everybody needs to know about. It's the Kathy Heller podcast. It used to be called Don't Keep Your Day Job, but now it's just the Kathy Heller podcast. And on it, she talks about making changes to create a life you love, but changes on an energy level, changes about how you think about the world and what's available to you and how to make use of all of this other research about the brain, about mindfulness that we might not have known of before But once we do, we can apply to our current life today. She's really given me a lot to think about. She has multiple episodes per week in varying lengths. And her guests are always so interesting to listen to. That's the Kathy Heller podcast. Now, on a lighter note, I did enjoy this article by Marie Kondo. I posted it in my Get Literate Facebook group. If you are in there, you've seen it. She talks about the dreaded junk drawer. But I love that she calls it the Komodo drawer. 
just sounds much more fun to say I have a lot of Komodo than I have a lot of junk. And so I did spend some time cleaning out the two biggest junk drawers in my home, which I seem to need to do on a regular basis. But of course, as she always does, Marie Kondo can get even cleaning out your junk drawer to feel a little more joyful. The next thing I've loved is something that I actually created on my social media feed, which is hashtag read your feed. This is where people comment and request that I hop into their social media feed. I look at it, I browse it, I analyze it. And then based on what I see, I recommend a book that I think they would love. I used to do this privately in the comments of direct messages, but now I'm taking it more public so that other people can see the books I recommend. And it is just great fun. So if you want me to read your feed, make sure you comment on one of those posts or just send me a direct message at Affinito Lit. I've been posting them every Friday in hopes of giving someone something new to read as they head into the weekend. Now, the other thing I've been loving is not related to reading writing at all. They are carrot cake energy oat balls. If you love making new things, if you love healthy recipes, then I think this one is worth a try. My daughter has been cooking up some new gluten-free treats for me, and these don't even require any cooking. They are just mixing together dates and oats and spices and rolling them and dipping them in coconut, and they're quite yummy. If you go to eatingwell.com and you type in carrot cake energy balls, they'll come right up along with about five or six other energy ball recipes that you can put together, throw them in the freezer, and then take them out whenever you need them. That's something that we've been having fun making in March. And that's about it for me. There is my March Literate Love update. The books I've been reading, the writing prompts I've been experimenting with, the brain research I've been going in deep with, and a couple of random things that have just brought me some literate happiness this month. I would love to know what you think of what I've been working on. And of course, I want you to tell me about your literate life in March too. Go ahead and comment in the show notes at alitlife.com or create your own March literate love post and tag me at Affinito Lit on your favorite platform. I'd love to see what you're reading, what you're writing, what you're learning, and the little things that have been bringing you some literate love too. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you inside the next episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Get Literate Podcast. You'll find links to all the books, resources, and ideas mentioned in the show notes and at alitlife.com. And if you want more, you might like to join my Patreon community. There, you'll find additional inspiration for your reading and writing lives, like bonus podcast episodes, book calendars, monthly book clubs, notebooking challenges, live events, giveaways, and much more. It's only $5 a month, and you get instant access to all the previous content, too. You can learn more at getliterate.co. But one more thing. If you love what you listen to today, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast or take a screenshot of the episode and text it to a friend. 
This helps the podcast grow and builds our bookish and notebookish community too. Thanks so much for listening.